Today's scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, and then 7 through 8. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. This is the word of God. Um, We're starting a new series today, and the series is called Biblical Justice. And I don't don't know how you can not know, um, in our culture today, this word justice, it's it's a big word. It's been a big word for a long time. It's a big word all the time. But especially today, there's a lot of fighting and tremendous anger and division over justice. And so we as the pastors, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about all the different confusions and different anger and divisions about justice. But the Bible has a lot to say about justice. And, um, you know, Pastor Young, he, he really challenged me. He said, hey, you know, this may be a divisive topic, but our people really, I think they really want to know what God's word says on this topic. It's a complex subject. And... Um, The world really doesn't like what the Bible has to say about justice. But I think they should actually be very interested in what the Bible has to say about justice. I actually think that if the world, if you are here today listening to me, whether you're online or here in person, and you think Christians don't care about justice or that there's some false understanding, I think you might be very surprised to find out that the Bible is very, very seriously interested in the issue of justice. And what the Bible says about justice Uh, may surprise you. There's a complexity that a lot of people don't understand about the Bible's teaching on justice. And so um, today, I want to give our first step. We're going to do this over several weeks. There's no way this can be done in one week. Even just what I wanted to cover today, I I, I already know I won't be able to cover it all today. Um, But the the very first thing I want to talk about um, is really tremendously basic. And that question is, what is it? What is justice itself? What is it? Everybody thinks they know what it is. But um, you probably don't understand it from the Bible's point of view, which is, I think, and if you believe in the Bible, this is really what it is. (laughs) What the Bible says justice is, is the real thing. And every other perception of justice, regardless of whoever you hear it from, is in some ways, it doesn't mean it's totally wrong, but there's something usually often missing or imbalanced in that presentation. And today I want to first just try to get at the core, what is it, 
And then to give you really something tremendously basic about its two key parts that the world often misses, okay? So let me just, because it's in three parts. Part one. So this question, what is it? And let me tell you what it is. Part one is, it is an eternal attribute of God's character. Let me say that again. What is justice? Justice as an eternal attribute of God's character. That's part one. That's what it is. A lot of people don't understand that. And of course, if you don't believe in God, you're like, that's what it is. That, that's what it is, okay? Part two. Um, there are two important aspects of justice, and I'm going to go over them. And they are retributive justice and restorative justice. Retributive and restorative. That, uh, those are the more technical terms, but I thought I might as well just give it to you in, in that way. Retributive justice and technical, I mean, and restorative justice. If you ignore one or the other, you don't have all of justice. You don't have it. In our culture, we regularly ignore one side or the other, or corrupt one side or the other, or, or even worse, corrupt both, okay? But regularly, one side or the other is ignored, but you have to have both, and of course, you have to have God, and if you don't have God, then you don't have, you don't have it, okay? So it's God, retributive, and restorative. Then you finally have something more like the whole of justice. And then I want to offer you the good news through Jesus, which is... Um, that there is a just Messiah and the giving of His Spirit. That's what's important. That without a just king, a Messiah is the anointed one who is supposed to reign over the whole world, and He's going to reign with justice. He's going to reign with a just and righteous character. And a lot of people think, well, that's, isn't that so obvious? It's not that obvious. It's incredibly not obvious. And if you don't even know what justice is, and you don't even know what righteousness is, you, don't, you really don't know what it is. And today, what is often actually righteous is hated, is hated. And then what is actually very unjust and incredibly unrighteous, that's actually called justice. That's very common today. And so that's why we're trying to hit on this series. And... Um, this is not to say we could solve all things. Only Jesus, through his power and his kingdom, is going to finally heal the whole world. Um, but at the, at the beginning, let's begin to offer you the truth. And the truth from God's word, okay? So that's the, that's the intro. Let, let's get into it, part one. An eternal attribute of God's character. Now, if you don't believe in God or you're an agnostic and you're not sure if there is a God, that might seem like a very weird and strange way to start this series and start this whole idea of justice. Um, there's a very common perception today that everybody just kind of knows what it is. You, you just feel it, that it is, a, it is a deep human intuition. And let me tell you, that is half true, okay? That is partly true, um, if you are a parent, or if you ever work with young children, even if you're not a parent, you know that this happens very, very early. What will happen is, especially if you see there's two kids, you know, I had a son and I had a daughter, and so you see this right away, okay? And as soon as they can talk, they say words like mom, dad, food, give me, <laughs> right? Those are like among the first words. And then that you hear this, you hear this sentence, um, and it comes out, I'm sure, in every language. In every language, you will hear this. That's not fair. <laughs> That's what they all say. And if you ever really pay attention, 
Um, sometimes what they're saying is true. It isn't fair. And you're like, okay, that's not fair. But usually, usually what they're saying is incredibly self-serving, okay? It's like, you know, the older brother gets something and the younger brother didn't get it. The younger brother goes, that's not fair. And he doesn't, he doesn't realize, like, well, you don't get it because, you know, you're not old enough or, you know, you, you haven't gained a certain privilege or something. But he wants it. He thinks he's entitled to it. There's this perfect thing called fairness out there, which is his, in, is his, is his inner longing for justice. And since he's getting short under sick from his perspective or her perspective, he goes, it's not fair. You know what that is? It's the deep internally seated, this longing for justice. The Bible's explanation for why every kid says this in every language, it's not cultural, okay? It's not like white Europeans you know, all believed in the Bible, and then they came up with this idea called justice, and it was really, really popular, and the whole world, just they, they liked this idea, and somehow this idea spread around to the whole world, and now black people like it, and Hispanic people like it, and Asian people like it, and now everybody talks this word. It's not like that at all, right? The Bible's explanation is that human beings are a special creature made, created, not just an accident evolved. Let me say that again. Made and created by God. Not just an accident evolved. And then he put his image. He put something of his divinity in us. And one of the most important aspects of the divine image. Is that we all want justice. That's what we all And the kid, your child, before they can even talk. You know why they're crying? <laughs> It's not just because they're hungry or just because they're tired or because, you know, they, they, uh, you know they, you na- they want you to change their diaper. Because sometimes they're angry. I don't know if you ever notice this. Babies sometimes get angry. And if you pay attention, babies get angry. And they're crying. And before they can even say, that's not fair, you know what they're doing? They're screaming at you. <laughs> that's not fair. Except they just can't say it yet. That's what's happening. I'll give you a little bit of a different example. Um, okay, I, I shared a little bit about this last week uh, when I was talking about honor. Um, I grew up watching Chinese kung fu movies, okay? So all these movies are coming out of Hong Kong and so forth, and I don't really care. I'm eight years old, and all I know is I love, you know, uh, uh, you know like tiger style, you know, Shaolin, whatever. I mean, I don't, I'm not even a Buddhist, and I don't even care. What I care about is all that cool fighting, but... Every story, every single story, it all has the same, it all has the same issue. There's somebody wicked, does something, it's more than not fair. It is unrighteous, it is wicked, unjust, and dishonorable. And the whole drama is, will this disgusting rat of a human being, and often it's like somebody really powerful. It could be somebody who's the gang leader, or sometimes it's somebody who has some kind of super, like, kung fu techniques, and so nobody can touch him. His, our martial arts, is so good and better than everybody else. If somebody ever said to him, you're bad, you're wicked, you know what happened? He would use his powers and kill or crush or destroy that person. And so his wickedness reigns throughout the, the village or throughout the valley, and everybody cowers in fear. And what there is, is there is an injustice throughout the land. That's what's going on. 
And the movie is asking the story, will somebody rise up? Will someone rise up and restore justice? And that's what, all the movies are about that. So it could be just some, it's often like some poor, some poor guy, nobody thinks he matters. And somehow it could be some old man that everybody's forgotten about and he knows the secrets of Kung Fu. And he knows he has a little bit of righteousness. And for some reason he teaches this young man and the young man trains and he grows not only in his fighting skills, but in righteousness. And then, of course, the movies almost always end with a great showdown of justice. That's what it's about. Um, I'll give you another example. So, you, so that's China, okay? So, and if you are white or if you are black or if you speak Spanish or if you are, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you grew up in California, or it doesn't matter. It, has, it doesn't matter one bit. You can read, you can, I, I bet you, if we could pull out, go into a time machine and find somebody 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago and then say, hey, watch this movie. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a Hong Kong you know, kung, kung Fu movie. They would watch this movie and they would completely understand what's going on. Completely. And you and I, you know, you watch this drama of justice and injustice if you watch TV, it's in every movie. It's like maybe not every single movie, but a lot of movies. So my wife, my wife, she likes police, police dramas. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I don't know why. She likes this. She never gets tired of this story. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you know how many? She, she, when she gets bored and she's like, she doesn't have a show that she likes watching, she finds a rerun of Law and Order. And then I see her watching Law and Order. <laughs> She watches the old show NCIS. Uh, you can find any police show. It's the same exact thing as the Kung Fu drama. <laughs> same exact thing. It's just that the people are white, they're white or they're black. Or they're fighting with guns or they're fighting with lawyers. It's the same drama. Now I want to ask you this question. There's a lot of people who think they just know what this feeling is and everybody wants it. I want to ask you this question. If the explanation for the way human life is now is as all our secular people say it is. The secular people say, we have no idea if there's a God. So it's just agnostic. And if there is a God, it doesn't actually matter. It's nice that you people over there, that works for you. It's kind of a nice sentimental feeling you guys get when you practice religion. But, um, you know, we'll just kind of go on with our own life over here. Because really, all we are is we are, we are a ball of like cells that accidentally somehow became smart through a series of you know, billions of years or millions of years or hundreds of millions or whatever the theory is. We became smart. And somehow inside the smartness, we have this strange feeling, which every person has, which is, it's not fair. And then we have this magical word. This magical word is justice. And if somebody is not just, except, so when you grow older, you stop saying it's not fair, because that's like how kids talk. What you say is it's unjust. And some of us get tremendously angry. It's not fundamentally different than when you were three years old or 10 years old, but you know, the issues are getting deeper, more serious. And if I want to just offer this first issue to you. I think the Bible's explanation of this 
is absolutely the right explanation. And if you want to live in the secular story of our times, I think you have a serious problem, which is, what the heck is justice? It's just some feeling that, that you want fairness. But now let me offer you this other thing. When you were little, you had a three-year-old's understanding what's fair, and you're complaining about your five-year-old brother taking something from you, and then your parents look at you, and they have a more robust and mature and sophisticated understanding what is truly fair and just. So the three-year-old, honestly, is just kind of talking in a, in, they're talking in a kind of lawyerly, self-serving manner. But let me just ask you, do you really think that somehow when we grow older and we get educated, that somehow all the people are better than that three-year-old? Is that really what's going on? What's really going on is, White people say this is just, but black people say that is unjust. The rich people say this is just, but the poor people say that is unjust. Well, what happens is the Koreans say this is just, but the Japanese people say that is unjust or vice versa. You know what that all is? It's just the same difference between the three-year-old and the five-year-old. And usually what it boils down to is, one, an imbalance there's some half-truth. Usually there's something in there that's legitimate and something is really wrong. But often there's a lot of self-serving, kind of very, very subjective, and you can't see it from the other side. You can't, there's, no, there's no parent. There's no parent with the wiser, bigger, fuller, fair, truly fair understanding and vision there is no vision there is no such vision so all we get is we just get japanese justice versus korean justice we just get russian justice versus american justice we get white versus black you just name it we get that lawyer's idea versus this lawyer's idea and usually the 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 more expensive lawyer wins right they said america lately unfortunately but it's not just in America. Um, there, is a, a, there is a very important, you, may, you might find it very surprising that I consider this one of the most important philosophers of all time. One of the most important philosophers of all time is, I think, the smartest atheist philosopher of all time. <laughs> the smartest atheist philosopher of all time. So I don't mean to be kind of like rude about this, but there's a lot of atheists today and I don't really respect their intellect at all. <laughs> they haven't ever really studied their atheism. But the best atheist philosopher of all time is Friedrich Nietzsche, I think, in my humble opinion. And I've studied philosophy of ideas and history of ideas, and I have studied deeply systematic theology. And I think the finest, the most rigorous mind of all the atheists is Friedrich Nietzsche. And let me tell you something. He did not care one bit about justice. He didn't care about it at all. He didn't care about something like mercy. Because he understood that all you had was the Christian conception of justice. At least at his time, all the, the major religion was Christianity. And you know what he cited? He said, I hate Christianity. I absolutely despise Christianity. Because he decided this book is just a phony book 
the words of it is phony. And really all there is, is there's a kind of evolution of power. And there's going to be an evolution where some human beings become higher than other human beings. They're smarter. They're wiser. They're more powerful. And he had a name for them. And that name was the Uberman, the Overman, or some translated the Superman, the above men. And you know what he thought? That when the weak people said that you need justice, and then that those who are powerful should have mercy and kindness and fairness for all, he just thought, you know what, this is incredible. He just thought it was an ideology of the weak people to keep the strong people and keep them weak. That's what he said. The weak people came up with a clever idea. They convinced all the strong people to remain weak so that the weak people could have self-interest, see? They'd have advantage. And if you think about it from this perspective, there is no God. There is no justice over everybody. This feeling that we all have is, well, honestly, it's BS. If there really is just, we're all just accidents and some got smarter, then why can't some people get smarter after that? See, he's right. He's completely right. And if some people get smarter after that, well, why can't they just kind of deconstruct the religious idea of justice and we can have a quote-unquote real world? So this is the way I want to start this message. If you do not have a transcendent, transcendent means transcends all cultures. It is not, it's above white, it's above black, it's above those who have power, those who are weak. It is above every time and every place. It, is, it doesn't matter if the person has more money or less money. There is a standard. There is a vision. There is a wisdom which is true and pure righteous justice. And you know what? There has to be. Unless you want to just say, well, you know, the world's never going to just become like Nisha. Really? Why, why can't it be? If there is no such thing as real and true justice above all time and all place, above every race, color, nation, or creed, then, let me tell you, it's just a debate. And so when the Nietzschean comes along, and there's always, there are always going to, some are going to come along, who needs justice? They'll just, just come up with some new definition. Well, we'll, we can call it justice, but it's not a real word. We'll just fill it with a new definition We'll use that word justice since it's kind of like a magical word, but let's fill it with a new definition and we'll just make sure we always stay rich and powerful. And if we kill the people or crush the people or disadvantage the people who don't like us, well, good, great. But as long as we can make sure everybody knows that our justice, our justice <laughs> is real justice. Okay, I'm already get, getting too long. Let me, let's go into today's verse. I want to go into today's verse and show you a few things. Okay? Isaiah 61, these first couple of verses are quoted by Jesus. At the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he goes into the synagogue. He goes and finds this book, Isaiah, reads these verses and says, This has been fulfilled. <laughs> And you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm him. I'm him, this person that this verse is talking about. And I just want to point a few things out. So if God is truly just and 
Justice is his eternal character. That means there was never, ever, ever a time there wasn't justice. There was never a debate about it. Like before there was creation, there was justice and there's no debate about it. And according to the Bible's perspective there, God is and always will be. And that means justice is and always will be. And thus, then he makes creation. And if anybody ever violates justice, let me, we tend to think there's some kind of a rule and standard of fairness. And then if we violate that, then we've kind of violated some abstract law. That's how people tend to think. There's an abstract law. There's my vision of the abstract law versus your vision of the abstract law. And then we all debate about it, you know, through philosophy or through culture. But if there really truly is one, and it's not just a law, it's the character of a person. It's from God. Every time we violate justice, you know who you're against? You're against God. <laughs> Every time you violate justice, it is an offense not to just some standard, to a person. The person himself is offended and violated. Every act of injustice and unrighteousness is a violation against a person. And so the whole world is living, to get at this, under tremendous injustice and unrighteousness. And through phony justice and phony righteousness, and it's always and always a great violation and offense against God himself. And so constantly, every people, all times, all place, are constantly unjust, unrighteous, and offending God. But God gives us a promise, and let's finally read it, okay? Here's this. Chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me. Remember, Jesus says this here. It's talking about himself. Because the Lord has anointed me, that is, he has set me apart to be his king, to be his righteous ruler. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And here's where I want to start with. First and foremost, we don't even know what justice is. We distort it, we violate it, and oftentimes we are held captive by falsity. And then those who live inside of falsity and have power then go into the world and hold people captive according to their false, imbalanced vision and propaganda about it. And so the first thing Jesus says is, I've come to release you from captivity. For what? Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And now let me hear this part. This is the part that we don't want to hear. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. Zion is the city of God. It's his place where he reigns. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks, a tree filled with justice. Real righteousness, God's righteousness. That they will be the planting of the Lord, of Yahweh, that he may be glorified. That's how it starts. Now, let me just point out from here, and let me 
I don't have a whole lot of time, so I'm going to have to just give you an intro of it today. From these verses, I want you to see two things. So I gave you this intro that God himself, there's, a, there's righteousness and justice in him, and he fully knows what it is. And it's always been there. And then when he made creation, and then we ran away from God, we came up with phony righteousness and half and imbalances justice. And then we impose our visions of justice through power, not through real justice. And then the world roils. And there's always going to be wars and hatred and resentment and mourning. Mourning. That's what Patrick says. He came to grant to those who mourn. He came to comfort those who mourn. I want to say two things here now, which will get to my part two, and I've got to say this in like in two minutes because I'm running about, all right? Justice has two parts. He came to restore and he came to give retribution. Restore and retribution. One is this. You long for real justice. When you go out into the world, you see the powerful prey upon the weak. You see truly that which is wrong and wicked, and it's always winning. It always feels like it's winning. And first you fight against it, and then you lose, and then you lose, and then you lose, and then we cry. If you grew up in America, and um, you don't know that the world is filled with injustice. I, I don't really want to be overly mean about this, but that probably means you grew up pampered. You grew up in a nice suburb. Have you ever been to a city where the streets are dirty and dangerous? And the gangs run that part of town. And the people sad and downtrodden and there's a lot of mourning you know we think about that part of the city that's injustice but from God's point of view the whole world is like that the whole, the whole world is like that the unjust part of the city run by gangs a lot of times a lot of nations are just gangs that's all they are we, we have these sophisticated names for it banana republic a banana republic is just a gang country. And there's a lot of mourning in that country. And it's great if you can go and live in a suburb where the laws generally work and the police generally do what they're supposed to do and the rich do not prey upon the poor. If you live in that, you're generally living in the exceptions of history. But understand that if that's what you endure all the time and therefore you don't mourn, you don't understand the world. The world is filled with injustice. And if you then grow up and then sometimes you go into these cities and you get an education and then you start really seeing these things, especially if you start happening to people you care about, you will cry. And so one part is restoration, restorative justice. I, I sometimes use a simpler phrase, positive justice. What does justice must do? There's something that must be accomplished. That's why Christianity is, has always and always a tremendous critique of the powerful 
and of the rich. This is why this is the most unpopular book in the history of the world. This is why this book is always trying to be controlled by governments. So the Chinese government is trying to control this. Muslim governments are trying to control this. Why? Because if people read this, they will go, wait a second, my government is unjust. And that's what happens. And then there must be a movement. But there's also regularly the rich prey upon the poor, the powerful prey upon the weak, and exploit them, or forget them, or ignore them, and treat them as often less than human. And there must be a restoration, restorative justice. Okay? But here's the second part, and I want to point this to you. You can see this in this passage too. Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and comfort for those who mourn. That's restoration. But he also said to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Vengeance. Um, our sister, I had to read this. I mean, I wanted to read the whole chapter. It's an incredible, profound, beautiful chapter. But just for the sake of time, I just had her read just a couple of verses. Verse 7. Instead of your shame, because once we begin to really see our society for the way there is, you know what we get? We get shame. There's a lot of people in America today, we always thought America was a good country. And then people are finding out that we're more racist and more exclusionary than we ever thought. And then, you know what there is? There's shame. And there's a lot of people today, America was a good country when they grew up as a good country, but today they're not so proud of this country. And you know what they have? Shame. But then there's a word for shame. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. There's grace. There's an answer for shame. And instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Again, restorative justice. But he goes on to say, Therefore in their land they shall possess a double portion and they shall have everlasting joy. Restorative justice. But I want you to hear this. Verse 8. For I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, this is his personal name, I, Yahweh, love justice. See? It says eternal attribute. He loves it. He, he can't do, if he hates justice, he would be pretty much a schizophrenic and hating himself. God isn't just love justice. He is justice. Every attribute of God is eternal and every attribute of God will always be and they can never be defeated. And if they are in, and if we violate them or offend them, let me tell you, everything and everything that violates justice and righteousness and the character of God, let me tell you, it will be defeated. And that's the other part of justice. Real justice is retributive. Those who are wicked Get what they deserve. And listen to what he says. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and wrong, and I will faithfully give them their recompense. In other words, if you do robbery and wrong, you will get the recompense. You will get what you deserve. You will get what you earned from God, which means you will get what you justly deserve. You will get retribution from God Justice will come and get you. You know what? And the ultimate way of God was saying is, this isn't, let me just, let's put nothing, there's nothing, there's no, let me put no fine words about this. This is saying God's going to burn you. 
God will send you to the hell you deserve. Like our brother, he, didn't think, he never thought about it, even though he's a pastor's son. <laughs> but he finally realized, like, wow. And then he grew, grew shame. So here are the two parts of justice. True righteousness. Real justice is this, to give to everybody what they, the way they rightly should be treated. That's what real justice is. To give every person the way they rightly should be treated. And when God sees that violated, he is not, a happy, he's not happy. And since we look, think in this world that we can just get rid of God or just pretend like he doesn't matter, and because he's merciful, he withholds his wrath and the recompense which we have earned, in other words, the recompense of his wrath, we tend to think, well, gee, you know, we could just hang out and do whatever the heck we want. It's like the kids who steal from their parents and do drugs and wreck their house because mom and dad aren't home. And history is the kids, the spoiled kids who are destroying their house and just because mom and dad aren't home, we can act like total idiots. In fact, worse than idiots, wicked. But let me tell you, you're really, we're really fooling ourselves. You really want justice? First, we do not give to people what they really should have. And so some of you, you really want me to talk about oppression against the poor, and I'm going to get there. You want to talk about you know, racism and exclusion of people, of, the, of, of our minorities. I'm going to get there. Okay? And I assure you, God cares about all those things. But before we get there, you should seriously think about retributive justice. You and we as a people in our life, have we really given everybody the way they should be treated? In our systems as a we as a people and you as an individual, have you really looked at people, your attitude towards people, your treatment of people, the precious way they should be treated? And if you really, really think about it, we're all under the wrath. Shouldn't you can see, I hope you're starting to think, gee, I wonder why the pastors don't go around preaching justice. Because the first thing I'll have to teach you is, we're all going to burn and you deserve it. That's what I have to teach you. The day of vengeance. There'll be a day of vengeance when all the kids wrecking the house of God will pay. Okay, let me close. I'm going to close with, um, there's a God of justice. And his full justice. I'll give you this verse. So this is also from Isaiah chapter 42. And it says, behold my servant. The servant is the Messiah. It's the king. And there will be a servant who God sends. And listen to this. Listen to this promise. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. All the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. You see, there's some people, they're like bruised reeds. 
They're wounded and they're barely alive. But he won't break them. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So you're, we're like a candle. And I was winking. Some of us, our lives are, we're just barely hanging on because we mourn. And he says, he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And remember, all justice. Retribute to justice and restore to justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged. Every generation and every people, the cops get discouraged. The, the, the righteous movement that wants to, you know, have a, have a revolution in their country, they get discouraged. The people that are holding on and crying for a greater justice in their nation, they grow faint and they grow discouraged. But it says in verse 4, this servant, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, Yahweh, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. So let me close today and we'll unpack more of this in future weeks. God made the world and then he paid, put special creatures on this world. We're not accidents. We're made in the image of God. And history was intended so that human beings would have dominion and reign over the earth. And how are we supposed to reign over the earth? With justice. Like God. In his image. But we did not. Instead, we regularly reign over the earth with phony justice, half justice, and injustice. And there's regularly mourning. And people fight and then there's, history is just regularly, again, these guys are changing, and then these, okay, and then they fight, oh, and then, they, oh, and then, we, then they fight back. It's like we watch movies today, it's like one mafia group is winning, and then another mafia group is winning, but you like the mafia group one better because they're a little nicer. So then that's justice. I mean, that's kind of like, even the movies we watch today, that's what it's like. But there'll be one who does not grow faint. And let me close by telling you how he will make justice reign over all the earth. He does not grow faint because we're so bad that even our righteousness is often in unrighteousness. And even the best governments, you know, America is a good country, but it's only relatively a good country. <laughs> it's just kind of like relatively been better than so many other countries. And it kind of works. And it's more and more not working. But it doesn't mean we've truly been just. But here's what happens. For those who are mourning, Jesus came to say, if you would put all your injustice upon me, I will wipe it out and wash it away. So all of you who you mourn, if you will come to the king who will make all things just, and you place all your injustice, all your racism, all your greediness, it's my money, I don't care about them. Hmm. Oh, I'm just going to live in this suburb over here so that I can stay away from those poor, wrong-colored people over there. And if you have that attitude, and that's like, like, like the plan of your life. The plan of your life is, I'm going to 
go to school, send my kids to a really good school. They're going to make good money so they can live in the suburbs of history and stay away from all those people. We're not going to care about them. Let me tell you, you're going to get God's recompense. (laughs) And so today, you can offer that to the one who is truly just. And you know how he handles it? In himself, he takes the wrath that you and I have earned. He takes the full-on justice. And then he gives us his restoration. That's what he does. If you would come to the God of justice, the king, so he sent us a man who will finally reign on the earth the way human beings are supposed to. That's the Messiah. With true justice. And then all of the injustice, he would say, put it on me. And all the retributive justice I will take for you. And then all the restorative justice I give you by grace. That's what he did on the cross. And what about all the people who don't put their injustices and their wickedness, their offense to God on Jesus? You're not going to like this, but... You're going to burn. You're going to get everything that you deserve. You're going to get everything that you deserve. There will be a day when all of God's retributive justice will come upon everybody because justice will be complete. It will be absolutely complete. And if all of God's wrath doesn't go upon Jesus for you, all of God's wrath will come upon you. Let me tell you, it'll be forever. Because an offense against the pure, holy justice of God deserves eternal wrath. That's what the Bible teaches. And if you really think about it, don't you really think that too? You just think, you don't deserve it. I'm a nice person. (laughs) But Hitler, yeah, he deserves to burn forever and ever and ever. Ku Klux Klan, yeah, they deserve forever and ever and ever. Horrible mafia person. That pimp who, you know, kidnapped that girl and made her a prostitute and enslaves her. Yeah, he deserves to burn forever and ever and ever and ever. You just don't realize that you and I are not that much better. So today, I want to offer you today. I know this is scary as heck. It is. (laughs) But... Oh, there's good news. There's a Messiah who will make the world so good that we will no longer mourn. And today, if you trust in him, you could have your tears washed away today, just like our brothers. And today, our tears could be washed away by God and we could join him in his work of restoring the world to true justice. That's what the church is for. See, the church, there's no way we can just say, we can't, we're not going to do that. Because <laughs> we can never live in the lazy suburbs and not care. Because then we wouldn't be like God. We wouldn't truly be human the way he intended. But thanks be to Jesus, he takes all the retributed justice. And he gives us the full totality of restorative justice 
and he makes us whole. Even though we're very, very imperfectly just, by grace we move toward full justice in and through Jesus Christ. And we run to the world where truly the world will be like Zion. His world. A just world. Let's pray. Lord, um, such an incredible day of worship. And yet, I trembled to give this message. I trembled. Knowing we are all guilty. And we are all under shame. And if we weren't so delusional and so pampered, or the word that's said today, privileged, we would mourn. But thank you that you give us the oil of gladness for our mourning through Jesus. And your mercy is renewed. And your wrath is held back. And as long as we live today, we can turn to you. We can turn to the God who is truly just. And thank you that you would take all the justice that we deserve upon you so that you can give us all the good and righteous and restorative justice that we could never have earned. And so, Lord, today, if there's anybody here today who has never given their life to that truly great good news, today would they say, Jesus, forgive me and wash me and take the wrath that I deserve and make me truly an agent of your justice and to live inside of you and for you. And I pray that we would have great joy. And like you, we would not grow faint or weary, and we would not grow cynical for sure. Live in you and with you for real justice. In Jesus' name, amen.